I'm Jason Theobar. I'm Nick Filardi. Welcome to the world's second finest podcast. So today we're talking about uh, Batman Adventures issue two, which came out October 6th in 1992. It's written by Kelly Puckett, pencils by Ty Templeton, inks by Rick Burchett, colored by Rick Taylor, lettered by Tim Harkins, edited by Scott Peterson. It is the same team as issue one. It came out alongside Detective Comics 653, which wrapped up the uh, diplomatic immunity huntress story that we talked about last pod. Jason, I'm going to come clean with you. <laughs> we did we did our community a disservice, and we've received a lot of emails, a frightening amount of letters for a pod that hasn't even come out yet. Mm. From from our listeners, that uh, Shadow of the Bat was also coming out around the same time as Batman Adventures. So Shadow of the Bat number six was coming out at the same time as uh, this issue two of Batman Adventures, which featured a government super soldier who was also a, a super racist, <laughs> and and Batman had to fight him. It was it was very stupid, but uh, uh, we'll talk about it a little later. Oh yeah. Also, Batman 486 was also out in stands. It featured Batman fighting Metalhead. Did you read that one? No, no, I didn't. I didn't get to that one. That, you skipped that one. Yeah, I skipped. that one's a good one to skip because it was it was pretty pretty weird. Um, <laughs> do you know who Metalhead is? I'm, I'm I'm guessing he's a Silver Age villain that they brought back. Is what I was assuming. I don't even know. I don't know if he's like somebody they brought back or not, or if it was like this particular Batman issue. We're just going to do a one-off character. It is literally a guy dressed in all black. I think he has pouches because it is 1992. Gotta have them pouches, man. He's got like basically a gimp mask on with like spikes coming out of the out of his head. So his his head is just his head is covered in spikes, right? And then he's got some like ponytail that has like a is like a barbed whip. So he's like whipping his head around to like whip his enemies. People are like, we can't punch him because he's got spikes on his head. He just stabs us, and then he's like headbutting people. It's very it's so stupid. It, it, excuse me, Nick. The scientific term for uh, a head that's like that is to the extreme. To the extreme. Yeah, it is very to the extreme. So Metalhead is uh, looking to find uh, Black Mask, who Batman took out in the previous issue. However, it turns out that that wasn't Black Mask. It was like somebody who looked like black mask and so batman's like oh i gotta still get black mask and he's like the whole issue is like him basically being like i'm i'm taking it really hard that i didn't get black mask and he's like he's running himself exhausted and he's trying he's hitting the old haunts and he runs into metalhead who's trying to join black masks crew and then they fight in a cemetery it's like it's very it's so dumb however However, <laughs> there was a saving grace in that issue. There is a nod to the Batman animated series in that issue. Do you remember the character Harold from Batman around this time? Was that the ventriloquist? No, there was a he's part of the Bat family. You're also forgiven if you don't remember Harold. I, I do not. I do not. I, I can't even come close to a recollection. Right I now. had to look him up. He came from the Question 33 in 1989. He became part of the Bat family in Batman uh, 448. He has like two dis disabilities going on. He's got a misshapen body and he's a mute, but he's like an excellent mechanic and computer guy. He's like a genius. And he just like helps Batman. Like he's the answer to nerds in the comic shop being like, well, how does, how does Batman you know, keep the Batmobile up. Like, does does he gas it up? We never see him gas it up, Jason. We never see that. That's an interesting way to have Batman have a cue, like in James Bond. But when you make him mute as a writer, I think that's a great device because I don't have to write dialogue for this character. I can make sure, him super sure. smart. And 
I don't have to write a thing. Oh, oh, the genius, the genius uh, uh, inventors. Oh, he's mute. So that's why he just hands cool stuff to Batman. And then he's like gone in a panel. Right. Yeah, pretty much. So Harold's just in the background maintaining things, I guess. And so they had um, in this in this like one off issue of Metalhead. They also had uh, two pages where Harold is tinkering with a computer animation program. We get a Batman, the animated series panel from uh, Jim Aparo, who drew that who drew that issue, which is pretty neat. That's pretty cool. Yeah, a little a little nod in an otherwise like unremarkable issue. Yeah, that's a fun that's a fun little Easter egg that maybe you wouldn't have noticed. If, well, I mean that's the funny thing. You're only really reading that issue because of this podcast of us rereading Batman Adventures, and then so your brain's queued right. up to look for other stuff that might right. reference like I, Batman Adventures. Right, like if I was just reading. If I was just reading Batman, I'd be like, why is this in here? This is so weird. But like, so if you think about it like this, the Batman animated series came out a month before the first Batman animated issue. So we're three months into Batman, the animated series being on television. And that's about the turnaround time for an issue to like be made and hit print. So it lines up with like like everybody who was working on Batman at the time saw this thing on television and they were like, oh, we got to slip in a nod. Like this thing is something special. Batman the Animated Series is something special. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty uh, cool. Yeah. Uh, so we're not talking about any of that. We're not, we're not talking about nods and winks and Easter eggs. Let's get, let's get to the meat. Yeah. Uh, we're talking about the Batman, the animated series, uh, number two, which features Catwoman. The only episode we've seen Catwoman in so far was uh, the Cat and the Claw parts one and two. They also feature Red Claw, who's a terrorist who just recently showed up in the recent Batman comics, got mined from this 1992 episodes. Um, Red Claw's kind of unremarkable and boring. Uh, it's shocking that she was even mined at all out of these episodes but uh yeah so the only thing that we need to know for reading this issue for the cat and the claw is that batman and catwoman know who each other's secret identity is and they're also very horny for each other <laughs> that's the only thing we need batman i forgive miss kyle for it because She's just always horny. That's just kind of always her character is just always like low simmering horny that she can turn on or turn up <laughs> if she would. But it's just a constant low, kind of like me and my rage. You know, I'm, it's just like I'm never not angry. <laughs> it's just most of the time it's just like a dull simmer, you know, but it's ready to just, simmer. yeah, ready to just go up when, yeah. Uh, but yeah, but, but, but man. Stoic Batman getting, no, no, I seriously, dude, I think the stripper really likes me, like, vibes going on. It's like, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, that's, that, that's the vibe for sure. That's the vibe for sure. Uh, yeah, I, so let's talk, we can talk about Catwoman just as an aside for a second before we talk about the issue. When I was, like, like 14 and I started reading comics, like, I was like, very interested in Catwoman as a 14 year old boy. I was like, I was like, I need to know everything about Catwoman. I just think, I just think the art in this is really cool. Um, as the, the art's just really yeah. cool. And now as an adult, I find it tedious and boring. <laughs> I, I don't know. We were talking about the penguin and, and in the uh, previous pod and the penguin is this like, kind of complex character about like feeling these like insecurities and lashing out and like it's kind of interesting how he bounces off other characters and then selena kyle is like catwoman's just basically at least thus far in the batman animated series is like basically one note she's like low-key horny <laughs> also she loves cats and that's 
that's pretty much it. Like she kind of exists not to bounce off other characters, but just kind of as herself kind of thing. Well, yeah, I didn't, I didn't really notice until um, when, when she takes off her cowl in the first few pages here that uh, I was thrown for a loop because I was like, Oh shit, that's right. In the animated series, she has blonde hair because of the Michelle Pfeiffer yeah. portrayal so, in Batman Returns. And so like that was so I obviously like, yeah, that was the choice in the animated series because it's like, well, people who haven't read the comic books don't know that Selena Kyle really is like raven haired and stuff. And Michelle Pfeiffer's, uh, you know, <laughs> blonde and they just kept her blonde in Batman Returns. And that's how most people they just know uh, Catwoman as a, a lady who's blonde and steals stuff and has a bunch of cats around her. So it's funny that you mentioned that because when the Batman, the animated series first aired. So on leather wings is the first episode introduces Batman introduces man bat kind of, and it kind of like choose the fat of Gotham city really well. Oh, it's such a great setup establishes a lot of stuff. I still remember it. Excellent. Excellent. First episode. They, when they aired it, they actually aired it as the second episode. And the first episode is the cat in the claw part one, because they were like, Batman returns just came out. We need to let people know Catwoman's here. Like, so we're going to, we're going to put cat in the claw part one, but then they, then they aired on leather wings. They didn't air cat in the claw part two until like weeks later. So you're like on the hook for this two parter. And you're like, Oh, what's going to happen with Catwoman?" And then like day after day, we're just like we're getting man bat we're getting penguin we're getting joker it's yeah like, yeah it's like it's like those, i don't know it's like those papers it's like the funny pages when we were kids when they would still run uh prince valiant but that paper never ran the weekly prince valiant so it's just like here's the sunday edition of prince valiant it's just like cool i have no clue what the hell's going on here <laughs> Yeah, like, yeah, pretty much, pretty much. So anyway, we can we can kind of jump into the issue. The issue oh, yeah. also broken into three acts, just like the original issue. And just like the original issue, it also had in act two was like kind of the meat of the lore. So it was like act one's the hook. Act two is kind of the meat of like the characters discussing what's happening. And then act three is resolved. But uh, do you want to walk us through what happens in act one? Oh, yeah. yeah. yeah, So in Act 1, we see uh, two security guards, friendly banter, you know, and Catwoman setting up a tripwire and being very pleased with herself as she very easily purloins some jewels. It's, uh, yeah, I, I do love uh, all of the font on Catwoman's killer caper. Act 1, the family jewel. It's a lot of it's a lot of text for like basically her setting up a tripwire and like home aloneing these like security <laughs> yeah. guards, you know, we're, it's real intense for a very stupid thing. Yeah. And I, I'm just going to be saying this throughout about uh, Ty Templeton's uh, artwork. Uh, I will continue to gush about it. Him just kind of showing off of like, I'm going to do this complicated angle where the anatomy is going to look weird, but I'm going to make it work. I'm, I'm just like, just this pose here of her leaning and that's so hard. It's so hard to draw. Yeah, leaning over. She's leaning over the case of jewels, opening it up and taking one, uh, taking that the necklace. And it's just executed perfectly. Yeah, yeah, beautifully. And then the next page is a, a fairly quick altercation with the Keystone security. Um, it's just it, it's kind of funny to me how they're just barely indistinguishable from cops. But I, this is sort of the style anyway of, of the book. Sure. And, and you know, the coloring, they were like locked into basically like 60 or 70 colors at the time. Oh, yeah. They they had a very limited palette they were working and they have to tell you that these are police officers. So so it's like, I guess we'll just make them blue. It's fine. Yeah. And then uh, she takes care of Paul Blart Mall Cops and dashes home to a very swanky building, of course, filled with cats. I of say course. as my of cat course. yells at me because, well, that's what she does. Do you give your cat uh, jewels that you have recently heisted? Heisted? Hoisted? H- housed it? Housed? Did you hoist enough jewels for your cat? Hoist. <laughs> getting into like why sweetenly like we're getting into stooge territory like so quickly here. Catwoman is is home. She realizes that she actually doesn't want the jewels and she's just going to give them to her cat. Yeah, they're ugly. And she gets a television. 
the same way the Penguin got a television at the beginning of the setup for the previous issue. And also just the swankiest penthouse, like the entire floor of like some like super expensive, huge building. Yeah. Penguin was a warehouse and a table. Yeah. Like she is she is like living the high life. Yeah. And and also and like hitting on and then denying the, the building guy who brought her the package to begin with. I'm like, is when I read that, I'm like, is, is Selena Kyle negging this guy? Is she Selena Kyle, (laughs) the originator of like of the pickup artists games? Yeah. True to the character of Catwoman, always on a low key simmer of being horned up. Oh, that's true. That's true. Yeah. But yeah, she gets the she gets the two way TV. And I I appreciated the callback gag. Yeah, man. It it's Joker. We know it's Joker, but he's trying to stay hidden and 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 Selena Kyle's like, who is this? But it's Again, one of his goons off camera outs him and he shoots him again. When he shot that goon again, uh, I thought of you because I was like, I was like, oh, yeah, Jason loved this gag and they're doing it again. I, perfect. Perfect. I just, in, in my in my head canon, it's the same guy who just it's the same who, who came back <laughs> because he just is so lonely. Yeah, he's, he's dependent on the Joker. He's he's loyal. Yeah. And he's like, well, he only shot me once. What's he going to do? Shoot me again? Yeah, he already shot me. I already, I already paid for my, my, my mistake. Yeah. He's like, I'm going to get the lights right this time. He's less dedicated to the Joker, more dedicated to good lighting. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I mean, you know, yeah, he wanted, he wanted to work. He wanted to be like a, a grip or something in Hollywood, but just like, you know, it was just so hard to get into it. He couldn't get his union card and he didn't want to like go against Ayatsu. Sure, sure. So he's like, all right, well. Guess I'll work for the Joker. This lighting setup's going to be professional. The Joker decides that he's going to convince Selena Kyle to steal something from him, just like he convinced the Penguin to steal something from him, or for for him, for him. Yes. Uh, yeah. And that something is who? Who knows? Wait, do we know? Do we wait? Wait. Yeah. They. Yeah. No. He. We don't know because it's a. It, it's a technology thing from the from the wing of like it's a small oh, yeah. thing. Oh, the thing for the Joker. And then yeah. while Selena's there, she's gonna get something well, else. Well, yeah, it was the it was the something it was as soon as Joker mentioned the like the thing to like entice her to do the job, just like he did with yeah. Penguin to entice him to do the job. It was the freaking crown jewels. Yeah, yeah. The the Queen's crown jewels of England. Oh, like beautiful. It cuts to like Jim Gordon being like the crown jewels are stolen. Like Batman, you got to get on this. And I'm like, we are off the reservation. (laughs) Like this is we this is feels wrong, especially for an issue two. I was like, we're not still in Gotham. So we go to to Great Britain. We go to England. It's so weird. Well, well, it's like it's like on those procedural shows when like where it's like, yeah, they were like sex crimes, but then suddenly they're on a gang task force just because like, that's the episode they wrote. So they're like, Oh yeah, this guy used to work uh, the gang task force. So uh, even though the whole show is about, it's like, but come on, we're not going to always do sex crimes. That's, that's fine. That's fine. However, this is issue two. It's like, we've barely been introduced to Gotham and we're already like, Fuck this shit. We're going to Britain. You know, like it's we're going to London. Yeah, I, it's so weird. It, it, it is. But I kind of I kind of appreciate the I appreciate the nonsense of it because it's so like you can come up with so many different theories that would be just as plausible as the next one. You know what I mean? As to why this like makes sense of why it was the crown jewels of London and not like some sure. made up rich person's like hope diamond or something like that yeah. like in america or that's the thing is like i you, it could just be like she's stealing jewels in the beginning like these could just be like cat jewels or whatever in like Gotham. yeah we have this opportunity to like flesh out gotham right and instead we're just like oh we're we're just going to london yeah like you could have had like i don't know like a at the gotham museum they're displaying these uh, rare jeweled artifacts right. from Egypt that display their uh, love of the cat goddess right. Bast, blah blah blah, and like yeah, have her go after that. I, there, do you do you think like there's going to be some other connection to England 
like in the future. And maybe this was just like setting it up like 10 issues from now of like, I want to do a European thing. I'm wondering if there's going to be like Batman needed to be out of Gotham for Joker to do whatever he's planning for the next issue. That makes sense. You know, something like that. At any rate, Batman decides he's going to investigate uh, the crown jewels of England. And uh, in act two, we get all of our lore. Basically it gets all the lore up. By the way, Batman has apparently anticipated this or has infinite money or whatever, because he has purchased basically a, a wing of the museum where the crown jewels are stored. And you would think that like, maybe uh, Bruce Wayne's not super interested in an English museum uh, far, far away, but apparently he has previously bought access to this museum. Yeah. That's, that's just, a, I, I, I don't know what you call it. Like, I guess it's not like deus ex machina, but it's like, a, um, it's close. It, it's close. I mean, I think it's probably the entire reason why they made Batman rich to begin with. I mean, probably why like built, access yeah like why bill finger i'm sure because i give no credit to bob kane and i can have some you know sure. rants about that later on but F- fuck bob kane not a friend of the pod yeah yeah just exploited people <laughs> left and right and got his and so didn't care however many of those compatriots were screwed over it's it's wild it's wild that the podcast in episode two is like let's make some enemies <laughs> before we even have allies Let's make some enemies. Hey, man, you know what? I know that Gary Groth would agree with me, okay? And and I'm sure that Gary Groth has never pissed off anyone in comics and never holds grudges. (laughs) And I'm sure people never hold grudges against Gary Groth for things he may or may not have published in the comic stream. Here's here's a fun fact, because, like, I'm I'm a little bit on the inside track for comics. Uh, Generally... In comic books, I don't think anyone's ever held a grudge against another artist ever. I think that everyone's pretty copacetic and no one ever gets upset. (laughs) That's not what an Alan Moore interview that I just read yesterday told me. Let's not not devolve. Okay, let's stay on topic. Okay. I love Alan Moore. Look, okay. So so Bruce Wayne decides he's going to, he's going to, you know, pay his way. uh, Check out the crown jewels. Yeah, pays his way in. He's he basically shows up to the crime scene of the Crown Jewels and is like, "Show me it." And they're like, "Right this way, Mr. Wayne." And then he learns about how the there's a uh dome system around a security Yeah, dome how how the system works. That is like if the if the jewels get pulled 1 meter or a certain distance out, out of the dome, then the security system goes off. It, it was, it was, it was and, one meter. And I definitely, I definitely clocked that. Cause it's like, Oh, in England, they call it a meter. And did you know that they call an elevator? Oh, a you know, it's just, Oh my God. <laughs> Kelly Puckett doing his research, checking out the units of measurements he's, and writing them yeah, down. He is thorough. He's like, wait a minute. They use metric over there. So I want to make sure you yeah, wouldn't yeah. say, a couple of feet, he would say a meter. It's funny that it's funny that you say that because Batman shows up afterwards, right? So so they they show, you know, like Bruce Wayne's like asking about the security system and blah blah blah. And then Batman comes uh later that night and he's like checking out the footprints yeah. outside the, the window and, and he's like five foot five, 115 pounds. And I'm like, thank you. Thank you. Imperial. That's what that's what we're here for. <laughs> Imperial. Measurement. Yes. Yeah. And and again, just to uh, praise the art again, just the on, on this page where it shows. Where it shows Batman sneaking back in, just the, the, the skewed angle that he has when he's just outside the window before he opens it up is just like. Oh, yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Like, I think it's like I mean, like, I understand why he did it from like a narrative storytelling as in this might be a good aside you can cut it if you want how would you describe somebody because when i talk about storytelling within comic books and i'm talking with you about it and i'm saying oh this artist is storytelling is really good you know that i mean yeah the actions of the panels and like and how they're set and how it flows and the choices the deliberate choices that were weren't made sure. for that but 
the average person, if I say storytelling, they just think like, oh, well, the entire story. Like I'm not, I've always struggled when I try to explain to someone who I'm trying to get into comic books, what that is. I think that storytelling means a lot to different people. And it's, it's a heavily like context, uh, uh, dependent word. Mm. Yeah. I think that because when I think storytelling, I always think as a colorist first, because that's what I do. Yeah. So I, I think about like, okay, we got to get all the goons to look visually different from each other. And if the artist drew the similar faces on five goons, I got to make sure they have five different hair, hair colors so that the reader can keep track stuff like yeah. that. Um, so like that is storytelling that, or, or like an aspect of storytelling to me. But I would say that, that Ty Templeton here is like, he's doing storytelling panel to panel, not only with like, uh, the drawings that he's creating, he's suggesting motion. Mm. So we're filling in the blanks of the storytelling. And I would, I would, that's how I would describe like where his genius lies because Batman's at the window and he's like checking everything out yeah. right in that page. And you could, you could draw that any number of ways, like Batman at the ledge, like looking at, at like, you know, uh, the footsteps and assessing that Catwoman was yeah. here. You could draw that any number of ways, but the first first panel that he draws is like over the. It's high over the shoulder, yeah. so you get this like idea of Batman like swinging into frame almost. And the way that he drew Batman with the cape and the and the way he's positioned, it's almost like he's he's swung in. And he's grabbed onto the building almost, yeah. you know, so you get that, you get that motion. And so without even showing you a zip line, without even showing you Batman swinging from like building to building, we have that information. And that's, I think where uh, Ty Templeton's like just killing it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a great segue to the next page because the next page is just all motion. It's Batman jumping from that ledge, diving down to where the crown jewels were. Yeah. I know we were like, clowning on on kelly puckett a little bit for for the imperial measurements and, and the metric system however uh props to him because oh my god he like he knows when to just let ty templeton do his thing oh yeah and so many writers especially in 92 like so like when we were reading uh the previous like the batman issues and detective and stuff it is just everything every single panel has text every single one and it really didn't become a thing where like writers would kind of back off and let the artists like tell the story visually until maybe like the like 2000s yeah. like it started happening yeah yeah um i mean it was a it was around for sure i mean there's the famous gi joe silent issue and things like that yeah. but like largely largely accepted as like this is how you make comics now it wasn't a thing yet and yeah. uh yeah kelly knew exactly when to oh, back yeah, off no, and let batman just like do his thing like let ty templeton draw batman figuring it out like he says he says one thing when he's like assessing the crime scene he pulls out a string and he says one meter so that we know that he's like okay he has a string he has it set to one meter He's figuring it out. Yeah. And then the next thing he says is like four panels later after he's like checking out the, the pedestal to see like how long a meter is around the pedestal to like crack this security dome. He's just like, gotcha. He figured it out. Yeah. It's a, it's, and that's all we need. Cause, cause it's, it's, it's one of those things where you, you can be an artist of almost any stripe and you can be a writer you know, uh, drawing, like, like whatever. And it doesn't mean you always have to follow them, but sometimes there are some simple rules that will help you out a lot if you follow it. And this is the simple rule of show, don't tell, you know, of like, of like I don't need to, like, and hell, it goes all the way back to the Maltese Falcon, which I will always recommend anybody to ever watch the Maltese Falcon. It's a classic for a reason. But like, um, you, like, like again, it's like you don't need to have someone be like, "Hey, there's the Maltese Falcon right there." It's like it's it's not exciting. <laughs> it's not 
doesn't fill me with any right. kind of drama. And, you know, we were talking about the other issues that were on the stand. Uh, Batman 486, when he's fighting Metalhead, like the whole issue is about how exhausted Batman is. And it's just panel after panel after panel of the captions of him being like, I haven't slept in 24 hours and my nose keeps bleeding. And it's just like, oh my God, just let it, let it unfold. Just let it unfold. You know, you know, you know what, this, this actually can circle back to my Alan Moore comment from before, only to say is that I think I, I blame Alan Moore for that only because a bunch of those guys read his run on Swamp Thing, his legendary run on Swamp Thing, which is very, very wordy, but I always still highly recommend it. And I, I think they saw that and they're like, oh, that's cool, man. I'm going to do that. And it's just like, well, but you're not understanding why he's doing that. You know, sure. and even him as I, a writer grew out of that. You know, when you read his like America's Best yeah. Comic stuff, he was like, I don't, I don't need all this description. I'm just going to let the, you, you know. Can can I confess something to you? Right yeah. Now? I bought the first trade of the Alan Moore Swamp thing and uh, tried to read it maybe six times. <laughs> like, really, like, Jason, I really wanted to get into that. I really wanted You're to. Like, I would sit down and I'd be like, okay, the four other times didn't, I never clicked. But this time, this time I'm going to get through it. And then I would just fall asleep. <laughs> Like, I just couldn't do it. I, I think, don't worry about it, because I think that um, the Alan Moore and Steve, um, how do you pronounce his last name? I've always, uh, Steve Bissett, Bissett? But, but, um Sure. His, like, their, their run on Swamp Thing, legendary. But I do think that <laughs> the, the analogy is that it's like the superhero comic books version of Infinite Jest. A lot of people just have it on the shelf to show off that like, yeah, I like the best, most influential stuff. I, you sure. know, it's like having that or like, or gravity's <laughs> rainbow a couple of generations ago was the like, Oh, I've read, I've known at least four different people, gravity's rainbow, um, who tried to read it. And it was just like, I, I can't, I can't, I don't know what the hell he's trying to, I just, they just couldn't. And couldn't here's the, it. here's the thing. Uh, when people, start to like get into comics or whatever. I always hear people like recommend these very dense, like, but you know, critically acclaimed books. And I'm like, no, 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 no. That's not what you want. Yeah. What you want is just like whatever you're excited about and just jump in. Yeah. Something you know? fun. Something yeah. Fun. I, I think that, uh, one of these days, Jason, I'm going to, I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it on the pod right now. I'm going to read that swamp thing. One of these days, I think I still have it. You should. Seventh time's a char <laughs> charm. Not the sixth time. Seventh you time. You should. It's really good. And even if you don't end up liking it, I think it's worth reading through at least once. It's like one of those things where like, if I tell, like I tell people sometimes because I'm just half of a film nerd that like, everyone should watch something like um, the original Solaris, which is like three and a half hours long in Russian, at least once. You know, maybe not that film specifically, but like something like, Whoa, whoa, whoa! Are you trying? Are you trying to get me to watch a three and a half hour Russian film right now? Is that what's happening? Well, yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a Russian film based <laughs> off of a, a a Polish science fiction novel, which I just actually recently read, which is amazing. It's a classic. I, I mean, I'm not like this isn't breaking news if anyone's into sci-fi. You you are so deep in it right now, Jason. I just want to let you know we have we have we have there strayed is literally we've strayed too far. Yeah, we're, like, we're coming back. We're there coming is back. no one listening currently who is like, yeah, yeah, Jason's making a lot of sense. Yeah, so zero. There's going to be a lot of that, Nick. That, that, that's that's my <laughs> thing. That's that's my thing constantly. I think that'll just be my thing on a podcast. Back to it. Uh, so Batman figures it out. Beautiful page of motion of show don't tell, and then we're back in uh, Selena Kyle's. Uh, a hotel room where she's laughing at all the chaos. She's loving the attention. Yeah. She's just loving it. Like nobody's, nobody's figured it out. And she's like, I've basically gotten away with it. Um, we don't, she doesn't know that Batman's figured it out, but then, uh, we cut to, uh, a, there's a lot of moving pieces in this. 
basically Batman foils a jailbreak <laughs> on like one page just to get the attention of the media mm-hmm. to basically fuck with Catwoman. Like <laughs> it's so it's so strange this this next couple of pages. Honestly, it was so strange that I I, I truly didn't realize it was that strange until just now. And you just pointed it out. I'm like, yeah. yeah, that's weird. And like when I was reading it, I'm like, yeah, of course. I wonder if uh, Kelly Puckett originally wrote this and he was like, oh, I've got 18 pages. Shit, I need two more pages. How do I get two more pages? Okay, well, Batman's going to rough up these <laughs> goons. You yeah, know? I, this is a light goon issue. This, this issue is very light on goons. Light on yeah. goons. Uh, so... I was, or, or maybe he put it in there because like Batman needs to fight some goons. Like there is something to be said for like, you know, I've, I've talked to writers and they, they say that sometimes comics, superhero comics are exhausting to write because you want to jump into a lot of the story that you want to create, but you also have to have a fight every 20 pages. Otherwise, like, people aren't hooked in. So maybe this is Kelly Puckett being like, all right, Batman's going to punch some dudes. Yeah. I got to do the, I got to do that. I got to do the action. I got to play the hits as it were. Sure. So yeah, Batman basically uh, roughs up these goons who are trying to escape via a TV news crew. And then Batman's basically like, I got a message for you to deliver. (laughs) And uh, he, over the television, over the airwaves, Selena Kyle is thankfully watching the the news because if she wasn't, this would all be for naught. Yeah. He's basically like, uh, he's he's basically says, "I figured it out, and the crown jewels have been stolen by the Catwoman, a colorful but ultimately harmless petty thief." Yeah, and Catwoman's like, "You son of a <laughs> yeah, bitch!" I, I heard I heard petty thief, and I was like, "Well, geez, who's the one with the claws here, Bruce? Come on." right right right. (laughs) so she's like i'm getting back out there and i'm I'm getting what's Mm. mine i'm gonna kick this dude's ass (laughs) uh which leads into act three we have i'm sorry i just i love the midnight madness is what it's called i love that i love the title i love the axe it's just yeah and again very very quiet Act three, because it's a lot of action. Ty Templeton just doing Keeping his thing. Keeping it tight, man. Catwoman, so tight. Yeah. Catwoman shows up. And let me just real quick, before we jump into act three, did you notice that Ty Templeton started messing around with some tones, uh, some zip tones? Oh, yeah, I did. And that, I'm going to wait till, I'm going to yeah. wait till we're done with the issue and I'm going to bring up a, a okay revelation that I had. But. So Catwoman decides she's going to she's going to go back to the scene of the crime and we don't know quite yet why but Bat- batman's figured it out so she gets back to the scene of the crime she like topples over the pedestal and she had hidden the crown jewels within the pedestal so that way people would think they're stolen they'd be like oh my god we don't know where they are and then they would shut down the security system so it never left the dome basically so the security system was still working properly. It would have went off if she had taken the jewels, but she left them there to pick up later after they shut the security off. Yeah, which is super clever, honestly. At least to me, it's pretty Yeah, clever. she topples over the pedestal. Batman's got a little note that he left there, and he's like, too late. And then Batman shows up, and he's like looking for these, and he brought the crown jewels, and I'm just like, when I was reading this, I was like, this seems incredibly reckless. Yeah. With like a like priceless antiquity. Like for, for for a man, for a man who is supposed to be supposed to think of every single possible angle. Right. It, you know what it is though? You know why? It's because what? it's flirting. Yeah, he thinks the stripper really likes him. Yeah, yeah. He's like, I want you to know that I outsmarted you. Not because I, I, you know, and, and I'm, and I'm going to bring the crown jewels to specifically let you know that like, I see you and I, I get what's going on here and we're all 
we're all in it together, right? Yeah, Catwoman, cat- like that's that's his whole. Hey, Catwoman, I'm horny too. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly, exactly. Oh, uh, so he he they get in a tussle, like, and Catwoman gets close, and she nabs the crown jewels. Of course, of course. Uh, Batman follows her. Uh, some really great drawings of like. Catwoman like out the window, Batman chasing after her, her running on rooftops. It's all uh, beautiful, good. Beautiful it's all good. Panel breaks. And yeah, I, I reread these these silent pages like a few times over going to, you know, again. Yeah. yeah it's so it's just really, really fun. No sound effects. Yeah. Just just letting it breathe. Yeah. Uh, and so she's taken off with the with the crown jewels. They eventually make it to Big Ben because, of course, got to make it to the clock. Yep. They have a confrontation. Catwoman goes after Batman because he's kind of got her cornered, I guess. And then uh, she falls. She grabs the clock. She's she's hanging off of Big Ben. He rescues her. She's she's like, <laughs> so she's hanging off the clock. He rescues her. He pulls her up and she's like, sucker. And then like uppercuts him off the fucking building, holding the crown jewels. So the crown jewels and Batman go tumbling down. Batman grabs the crown jewels, saves them. Catwoman gets away, of course. Yeah, and yeah, that's the end of the issue. But what's amazing is like that sentence that you just said, Batman is falling, saves the crown jewels, but uh, Catwoman gets away. And then we also see Joker got whatever it is, you know, Catwoman stole for her all in one page. All that happened in one page with like, very minimal dialogue. No, just no, like right. So this issue has so much packed in it, and then with everything that's packed in it, you would think that they're over-explaining things, but they're also giving a lot of room to breathe for Catwoman and Batman just like fighting on rooftops, which is fantastic. Oh, so like good. this issue, I think, was the best issue on the stands at the time. And this is this is one of the things that I'm I'm realizing rereading this stuff. When I was reading Batman originally and these issues were coming out, I wasn't reading at the time, but uh, much later when Batman uh, Adventures was still coming out and I was picking up the regular Bat books, I wasn't reading this stuff because I was like, this isn't quote unquote the real it's Batman. It's not canon. Like the, yeah, it's not canon. So I was like, I'm not interested. I'm only interested in the real stuff. Yeah. Like, the DC stuff. So I wasn't reading this, but I was like, this stuff is actually kind of better than like, certainly better than the metalhead issue that we got from the regular Batman run. Like that issue was not great. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sir, I mean, I, I, I enjoyed it more than the, um, the detective comics issues, you know, the, the yeah. series like, yeah. Uh, so yeah, the issue wraps up with Joker getting a, a little device that she apparently also stole while she was hiding the crown jewels. Uh, it's so insignificant that it like the guy who is walking Bruce through the security system was like, "Oh yeah, we had this other thing, but it probably just went missing because it's not really valuable. Like, don't worry about it." But we know that Joker is putting together something something devious, yeah. and he's on the cover for the next issue. So we we're gonna find out what happens in that. Yeah, the issue uh, subplot arc coming to a conclusion yeah yeah uh i will say i have this issue in paper uh i checked to see if there was a letter section there is not nor is there an editor's note it's like just a handful of panels from the next issue and it's like look the joker's gonna be here and that's about it so a little a little anticlimactic because i was hoping for a letter section but maybe we'll get there i think that was a deadline choice where like an editor was like all right, time to go. Oh, whoop, I'm busy. What can I sacrifice from this book? All right, I'm cutting the letter. I'm not doing anything with the letters. This issue, just I'm too busy. Yeah, sometimes also, you know, you just don't have anything to say. Yeah, like we did the issue. It's out. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, you don't always. You don't always. Yeah, don't always need it. So, do do you want to hear my my revelation that I had? I'm gonna. Yeah, hit flip me with to it. The page where it. it Hit me like a ton of bricks. Okay. But it's when it's when Selena Kyle's in her hotel room laughing about everything, and it's that panel where she's leaning back laughing so hard. I was like, I was like, this is this is this is Dick Tracy. 
this is fucking Dick Tracy here. Yeah. This is. Oh, hundred percent. This is 1940s, 50s romance comics slash Dick Tracy. Also, what I didn't realize slash um, uh, Tintin. I couldn't. I'm like, like Ty Templeton is obviously massively influenced by hair shape. I haven't read any Tintin, so I don't know. I apparently need to read Tintin and Swamp Thing. Tintin's really fun, but you know, little bit racist of some of the depictions. It suffers from the time it was made. Yeah. I will say, speaking of the time it was made, the Cat and the Claw episodes, oh man, Batman is like, just a little too forceful with Catwoman. Like Selena <laughs> Kyle wins Bruce Wayne on a date in the beginning and Bat and Bruce Wayne's definitely like, no, no, you're taking me out. Like she's like, Oh, it's fine. I'll pay to the charity. And he's like, no, 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 no. We're, we're going out. You and me, we're going. It's just like, he's like a little too forceful. I, I was actually happy to see that none of that, made it into the comic like they still had friction but it was it was never like gross it was a little bit 1992 gross in the cartoon yeah yeah because they were trying i'm sure they were like trying to play bruce as like maybe awkward or something or you know some 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 version or exceptional that he's interested in Catwoman because he's normally not interested. Yeah. In yeah. You know, they're really trying to like drive that home, Yeah, I guess. Yeah. But yeah, it definitely, it definitely came across a little weird. Uh, Ty Templeton using a bunch of zip tones on this uh, issue, which freaking rule. I, I love zip tone, but there's this great panel where like Selena Kyle's walking out of a room and into another one. She's flicked the light off and like Ty Templeton just like cuts it diagonally puts puts a zip tone on on selena and uh i think that it's really smart the way he's using it especially because like we were saying before that coloring is very limited at the at this time to like a palette of about 75 colors so you can't really get dark tones really um you're very limited in what the colorist is able to communicate and i i feel like Ty Templeton's conscious of that and he's trying to uh, kind of like create mood where the colorist can't in certain places. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely a, um, it's like, it's like covering for the inefficiencies and well, just in the technology, it's like, well, you know, I know we can only do so much, but this, this will help, you know, we don't, we don't, we don't have a computer aided thing yet. So, or at least not the way it is now. not the way yeah. it is now, for sure. Oh yeah. Speaking of speaking of the way things are now, you want to hit the two read pile? Yeah, let's hit it. Cool. You and I both read Shadow of the Bat. Yes. The uh, this this comic, Batman Adventures Two, came out around the same time as uh, Shadow of the Bat 6. And I don't know if our listeners are aware right now, but this is turning into a low-key backdoor Shadow of the Bat uh, <laughs> podcast as yeah, well. Yeah, I kind of want to... I'm going to start back at one, honestly. Uh, I think I'm just... Okay, so did you not read the first four? No, no, I wanted to make sure I was... The first four are bangers! I wanted to make sure I was caught up. Sure. Yeah, uh, And I was pleasantly surprised that they were... I mean, just single issue because even even for the time, or maybe it's because I'm just not used to it anymore. But like, like, like everything these days is like made towards the collected edition because, like, you know, trades are just more much more popular. So it's yeah. just like, oh, whatever was, mm-hmm. you know. But back then, like, you know, books weren't collected as much, like unless they were super super popular. So they, I forgot that they more often had single issue story. Yeah. So the lineup. The Batman lineup that's like regular Batman continuity at the time is, as far as I'm aware, it's like Batman is the action book with Batman in it. Detective Comics is like the the more like thinker, like gather clues, gather evidence kind of like, at least that's what they're attempting. Yeah, I completely forgot 
about that dichotomy. That the, that's why there were so many bat books because they wanted all the different flavors. Yeah. Right. So you have your action book, you got your thinker, and then you've got Shadow of the Bat, which is uh, mostly one-offs, like single issue things. However, the first four are collected into a book called The Last Arkham. It is uh, written by Alan Grant and it's drawn by uh, Norm Brayfogle. Norm uh, is a Batman artist from the 80s and I think 70s. And he's like, uh, at the time, at that time, was like a pretty big deal for like Batman artists and a fan favorite and and that kind of thing, as far as I'm aware, because my knowledge, like, beyond into the 80s gets pretty hazy and in the 70s it's basically non-existent but yeah as far as i can tell and correct me if i'm wrong but like he's he's pretty well received and so like they they started shadow of the bat off with this arc where arkham is uh it's a new arkham uh not the old uh, apparently it's like his his son or his grandson of the original Arkham and he's like tearing out and gutting Arkham Asylum and he's making it state of the art. And he's also like devolving into madness. And <laughs> while that's happening, there's these murders that have uh, Victor Zaz's uh, kind of like fingerprints all over him. He's a, he's a serial killer who co- covers himself with uh, check marks from every kill that he has. Yeah. Um, a Batman thinks it's Victor's ass and decides he's going to, with uh, Gordon's help, set himself up to be committed to Arkham Asylum. So it's Batman in Arkham Asylum with Jeremiah. Uh, is, I don't know if it's Jeremiah Arkham. It might be a different Arkham with, you know, Arkham trying to convince Batman that he's crazy. Right. While, and like give him treatment while, yeah. uh, Batman is simultaneously trying to solve this case. And like at one point Nightwing breaks into Arkham and Batman's like, get the fuck out of here. Like, what are you doing? You're screwing it up for me. And and like it's, it devolves in this like really interesting way. And uh, yeah, just out of of all the current stuff that we're reading as far as, you know, the Batman Huntress story and the shadow of the bat stuff and the detective comics stuff, out of all the regular Batman stuff that was on the shelf at the time, Last Arkham, man, it's a banger. Like, you got to check it out. Oh, wow. Full-throated support. You know, I, I will definitely read it because I do – I I did enjoy the – even the um, super soldier we accidentally made too racist <laughs> yeah, story. Yeah, so tell me about that issue. That uh, – so there's this guy – uh, named the um the, uh, the ugly American, the ugly American, right? The ugly American, and he is was racist before. Got thrown in jail for like beating someone with a brick. Yeah, uh, at a, who was burning a flag at a protest, and he gets sentenced to life. They do an experiment on him to make him stronger, and the CIA trains him. And they even, but they make his jingoistic tendencies like even more heightened and then he breaks out of prison like they fake his death he breaks out of prison and just like dude some of this stuff the last issue shadow of the bat and this one i audibly said jesus christ because some of the stuff was brutal man the last issue began began with a dead kid and a dead woman in an apartment what the hell and 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 they're going for it they are going for it and 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 when you first actually and this freaking the ugly american also kills a dog right he, he kills, kills an old kills woman's dog a french poodle cuz he doesn't like foreign dogs jason <laughs> i know that that it's that so was, cartoonishly hateful yeah and over the top that you can almost uh. can't take it seriously but also jason when are they going to get politics out of my out of my comic books <laughs> when yeah i don't yeah, I don't know because it's 1992 like and they're jamming it. They're just jamming it right down their woke agenda, Jason. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, their French dog woke agenda. Well, you know, I don't want to. Uh, 
I don't want to speak ill of the dead, but you know who started this whole woke thing with Batman was Neil Adams, you know, back I, in the I, day. Don't, don't I you don't remember know. that Legend, no, no, legendary no. thing? It was uh, um there was a team up book of uh Batman and, and uh, Green Arrow back in the seventies, and by the comics code back then, they couldn't show or even mention drug use. And huh. uh, Neil Adams and was the artist at the time, and I think he helped write, but I don't know if Denny O'Neill was on that book or not. I'm hazy on the writer, um, but the, it was a pretty famous cover of Batman showing Green Arrow that his sidekick Speedy is a heroin addict. Oh yeah, that's a, and that's a critical issue. Yeah, and needle, needle in the arm and everything. Yeah, and they dropped the code approval from it because the Comics Code Board back then was like, well, we're not going to allow you to have the seal and to DC's small credit i suppose like they were like well we'll just publish it anyway because we think this is an important story and so that's when the woke agenda started (laughs) neil adams thankfully thankfully yeah yeah i like this whole like keep politics out of comics is so stupid because everybody everything is if you ever want to have like an opinion about anything or say anything remotely interesting it's going to have like a political tone to it you know and Green Arrow, especially like we were talking about that, that thing, Green Arrow has been like wildly liberal forever. Like he, that is his character. Yeah. He gave away his fortune because he's such a socialist. He gave away all of his fortune because he's like, no one should have this much money. Right. I'm giving all my family's fortune away. Like, yeah. yeah like Good guy. Good guy. Green Arrow. No billionaires. Yeah. Fuck them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, well, that that is the thing, too, though, is like people don't understand of like it's the uh, sometimes soul crushingly funny thing of saying I'm not political, quote unquote, or I don't like politics is itself inherently a political statement because you are able to say that because you are in this fairly privileged position to not care about politics, to be able to walk away from it and not have it affect your day to day. Absolutely. Yeah. So this this issue is like with the ugly American is nuts. Uh, Batman eventually takes him down. And then as he's like finally knocking the guy out, like the CIA just fucking murder him. Just headshot. Yeah. Headshot. Like scope sight. Batman knows it. Like Batman is existing in this universe where he's like, oh, the CIA will murder an American citizen on american grounds like and not give a fuck like no no due process no trial and and like that's not justice that's for batman that's not justice and i thought that like that dichotomy like not only are we talking about like terrible things that are uh existing in our culture still like 30 years later but like we're also talking about like maybe the CIA is, is not the people we should be trusting either. It's, it's like they're hitting at it from like all sides on this issue. It's just like fired up. Yeah. And, and this issue too, when I first, you know, when I first opened it up, I was like, Oh shit, Dan Jurgens. Yeah. It's a pretty, Whew. it's a pretty heavy hitter. Shout out Dan Jurgens. Uh, when I was working on uh, the, the Rick uh, Grayson Nightwing stuff that yeah, the fandom, yeah. Uh, didn't react well to, didn't react well to Rick Grayson. Uh, this is for anyone who doesn't know, this is when Dick Grayson got shot in the head and then he woke up with amnesia and he decided he was going to be Rick Grayson, the cab driver. And then like the issues, the issues kind of like floundered around. Like there was, it was, uh, there wasn't a lot of clear direction until Dan Jurgens actually stepped in and started writing some of the issues. I feel like um, there's some good stuff in there. I know that the fandom doesn't doesn't really enjoy those books. In my opinion, some of the cop wings, as they were known to be called, like the the <laughs> police and firemen who found Nightwing suits and became Nightwing, like a team of Nightwings. Oops, all Nightwings. I thought that yeah. stuff was was a, a cool commentary on like anyone can be a hero. And then some of the Talon stuff was really really good, but like. Dan really came in like the Dan Jurgens issues, I, I feel like are really great. They're right at the end. And he really came in and like not only tied up the Rick Grayson stuff in a really nice way, but like got him back to being Dick Grayson 
in a very good way. Like shout out Dan Jurgens. Uh, oh yeah, a saint, a saint. Oh uh, yeah, dude. He's he's one of those people who like he's one of those artists who I've always known him to have a reputation for being quick. It's amazing at his output and the quality. Yeah. You know, because like I remember reading something once where um, Derek Robertson was really proud of himself that he did every single issue of Transmetropolitan that he didn't have to have a fill-in artist. Sure. And he's like, but he admitted, he's like, there were some times I was under a heavy deadline. I was like, well, kick it to next week. Pretty ugly. Yeah. Pretty ugly, but I got, you know what? I'm just going to have to live with it. Sure. Yeah. You, know, but you either kick think, it to next week or you, or you just run it out there. But Dan Jurgens is solid, quick and yeah, solid. That's solid. Uh, That's a special there were year. some uh, figures in the first four issues of Shadow of the Bat, the last Arkham stuff, where Norm, who is a stone cold pro, like a little janky figure work every once in a while, um, yeah. maybe like four figures in the whole four issues. But like also, again, super solid otherwise, like just really well, yeah. great shots. I think that there's if anyone is thinking about like reading books from this era there's like something really great about the artists of this time because uh, coloring wasn't what it is now. So you really don't get any assist from the colorist. Like your lines are out there hanging out, like doing, you know, whatever it is they're doing. Like it's, it's for everyone to see. And so pencilers and inkers are like praised at this time. Like the good ones are like excellent. Oh yeah, Klaus Johnson never wanted for work. Yeah, you know, because he just could like any his inks just always made everyone's style better. Like he was one of those dudes, one of those like hired guns. Where like maybe the penciler, like if you're an editor and you're like, oh, this this penciler isn't that good. I was like, is is Klaus Johnson available right now? He can he can he can polish this up for us. You know. Yeah, man. Uh, the other there's one other thing that I wanted to mention about the Shadow of the Bat stuff. And that is the fucking goat, the greatest of all time, Brian Steelfreeze, fucking crushing it on covers in 1992. Very reminiscent of, um, and I I don't mean this as uh, to detract away from how good the art is, but honestly, when I first saw the thumbnail of it, Mm -hmm. the the way the style of the painting was, I was like, oh shit, is that that Simon Beasley doing covers for... Yeah, not a lot of people doing what... Simon Beasley, an, another like all time banger, like just oh yeah, excellent wow. stuff, so good. And I I just wanted the reason that I wanted to highlight that stuff is because at the time in 1992, even though we could do full color on a cover, we were still like you mostly got you look at the Batman animated series covers and they look like the interiors. You know, they're they were working with a palette of 75 colors. So there wasn't a lot of people doing full painting things in 1992, but still freeze like just ab- absolutely crushing it. And like he could have definitely like taken his painting skills and gone to like spot illustration and stuff like that. And I'm sure he did oh, a little yeah. bit of that of, of like advertising and things like that. But like you just didn't see that level of craft in comics very often. And especially, especially in 1992. Um, oh yeah. So it's, it's so much work. Yeah. It's, it's so definitely worth, work. it's worth commenting on that stuff because that's it. Like not only is it like it holds up today, like you look at those covers today and you're just like, this is fantastic. They hold up today and they're exceptional for the time is my point. Oh, yeah. Oh, completely. And, and I think you just illustrated the, like, the importance of, and it's really hard to do, like, every single time, especially when you're doing issues or floppies, as the kids call them mm-hmm. these days. But uh, you want someone, it's like making a really cool album cover, you know? You Absolutely. want someone yeah. who's not looking for this to be like, huh, maybe I'll, uh, maybe I'll check this out. Right. You know, right. And, and having, yeah, and having a really good cover like goes a long way with that. Yeah. And you know? Brian continues to do covers for like many, many issues. I think 50 or 60 issues of Shadow of the Bat, like a really oh, long, wow. long run on Shadow of the Bat covers. So I encourage anyone listening to this, even if you don't pick up the issues, just type in like 
Shadow of the Bat covers and like Google image search and just like browse it because uh, yeah, it's it's amazing. Oh yeah, they're great. Totally. man well uh i guess i guess we'll wrap up uh is there this is something that we didn't do before but i wanted to say is there a way people want to get in touch with you and tell you you were wrong about something uh they can at me at uh king of black acid on twitter and uh that's about it i don't typically reply uh to anything on twitter unless like it's you or Brian. <laughs> I, don't, I don't usually write this straight. Not, not Brian Stillfreeze, by the way. Not Brian, no, Brian yeah, Brennan. Yeah, yes, our yeah, friend Brian our dear, Brennan. Yeah, dear, dear friend. They can also, yeah. uh, at both of us, at um, World's Second Finest right. uh, Podcast Twitter, um, and they can find me at uh, Nick Phil or at Nick underscore Filardi on Instagram or NickFilardi.com is my website. Nick by Prince and whatever. We got to put some podcast merch up there eventually. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, some stickers and stuff. Some some tchotchkes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Some weird we'll see. We'll see. Room. Yeah, we'll see. But yeah, that's it. Thanks for hanging out. Yeah, thank you. <laughs>